Hey, Chris. Uh, thanks for joining us on the show. Really appreciate your time. So just to give the listeners a bit of background about yourself and how you got started in the, the cleaning industry. Yep. So my name's Chris Gilfoyle. I'm the director of JCD Cleaning, which is a commercial and specialist cleaning company based in the southeast of England. For my students and not this school, um, I sort of fell into the cleaning industry, probably like most people in the industry, just as probably a little bit of a stopgap, I initially thought, um, just to pay for going out with my friends that just left sort of, you know, uh, latter education and wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. My mum was working on quite a high profile cleaning contract, cleaning supervisor job, it's, you know, it's eight hours a day, it keep you busy. So I started that as a cleaning supervisor. Um, and then I've never left um, <laughs> in 2014. Family business, me, dad, brother, mum, we're all in the business. Uh, and going since 2014, and we're around the 2 million mark in terms of revenue now. And yeah, we cover a wide range of contracts across Kent, London and the South East. You mentioned the, the revenue mark. Has that been a steady progress in terms of growth or was there one particular no, We were quite fortunate in the early days, Matt. You know, there's always, a, it's all luck, but, you know, right place, right time, we meet the right people. We managed to land relatively big back early on. Pure luck, I'll say this one was luck. Bound inquiry, the customer called us and we managed to get that over the line. And that was a six-figure contract pretty much within the first year. Oh, wow. The back end of last year, so December 2021, we managed to land our first seven-figure contract in terms mm. of its value, and that bumped us up relatively quickly. But in terms of growth, I'd say the first four years, we were sort of done in over, every yeah. year, and then it sort of stagnated a little bit, mainly because we lacked a little bit of direction of where we wanted to be. Around the halfway mark, we were saying yes to everything, know what sector we wanted to be in or if we wanted to niche down in a particular industry. We were all over the place. And I think had we knuckled down, we maybe be, we would be a little bit bigger than we are. Um, but it's been steady. Don't get me wrong, we've had a couple of big injections with some big contract wins, but it's been pretty steady. The reason for your stagnation, like you say, because you can find any direction. Most clean, you know, I certainly experienced it when I started. You say yes to everything, like you said, yeah, let's go. Was it really then once you'd stagnated and you kind of, you know, got the team together and thought, look, where is it where we're making, you know, good money? Where is it where we can specialize? Where is it where we can niche down? And did that then enable you to go on to the next stage in terms of winning this big contract? I think, you know, there's that old saying that sometimes you have to take a couple of steps back to take steps forward. I say around 2019, 20. I looked back at the business, we had loads of we had loads of staff, but when you actually take a step back and look at, you know, are your contracts actually profitable? Is that mm. cost you any money? Because the contract has overrun and you gave them a fixed price. We took a bit of a backwards I my business partners, they tend to be more operationally focused and I'm more commercially minded. Could step back and look, we're getting bigger. And it's the real processes in place. Most don't have any systems or anything like that. And we were guilty of that. A bit of a backward step and say, actually, this has got legs now. We realize that. And we've got some good customer base. We've got, you know, we've got studies and all that good stuff. Now's the time just to take a little bit of a step back, look at it from my view, start getting some systems in place, actually start saying no. That's quite a big one because like mm. easy to just say yes to everything because you want the revenue. Yeah. When you actually look down it, if you're not any money on it and you're getting loads of stress, you've got cleaning staff not turning 
up or projects overrun, whatever it may be, having revenue from state just doesn't work. And I think we took that step back. Right, let's systemize. Let's everybody knows what they're doing in terms of job roles, and there's not that crossover. Yeah. And get a bit of all that was first for you. It's just chaos, if I'm honest. Yeah. Um, don't get me wrong; it got us a result, but that's not all for you as business owner. It's not sustainable for your staff. Then that starts to have negative effects on customers. So sometimes it's worth just taking a little bit backwards step, re you know reassessing the situation. You know, when we onboard a client, they come in for a sales funnel. You know, they've got that sales process. Process is all. It just makes everybody's life a lot easier, and then that helps you grow because the process is going to be the same for every customer and you're going to get the end result um yeah that's that's probably what happened you know that midway point i say out of chaos comes all that they say sometimes yeah yeah and how long did that process take for you to sort of realize okay let's take that step back understand where the strengths are in the business understand what we need to do to systemize it from making the decision to actually going through the painful process of implementing all that how long did yeah. that process take for you i would say if, if i'm really honest um and we've had some people uh, like yourself come in the business and help with systemization making sure we've got sort of the right structure in place to to grow and and that was helpful um yeah. and although we've got i'd, I'd say end-to-end for it to be fully functional was probably around a 12-month period. We see a slight dip in revenue, but it was definitely worth it from my own sanity as a yeah. business owner. Sometimes just say, get taking that backward step and maybe getting someone else that's been there or has got experience in growing a business, getting it to a place where may, maybe you want to be, you know, someone that's been there and done it, right? yeah. it, it is a good thing. Say, we've done that. The process took around 12 months, but it was definitely worth it. Everybody knows what they're doing, everything's structured. That customer journey is mapped from start to finish. But don't get me wrong, having a business is going to be stressful. It's not all rainbows like everyone tries yeah, to yeah. tell you. It's <laughs> when the process is in place and you know what should be done and everybody knows where they fit into the puzzle. And with um, with those processes, like what was the, the hardest part to implement? What what was it? Was it the systems? Was it getting the, the team on board and, you know, the staff and the contractors on board with the new operating procedure? Was it finding the new clients, identifying your niche? Like, which, which aspect of it do you think was, was the biggest challenge for you as a business? The honest part is, you know, when you've been going for, you know, four years as we have time, you know, everybody's got a way of doing things, even though it's right, you know, not necessarily the right way. You know, I've got operations their timesheets on, on an Excel spreadsheet, uh, you know, for 40-odd staff. Um, the guys are getting a paper off and change management is always that hard part. So it's not necessarily the systems because I always simple because I don't want to, you know, overcomplicate some of these systems. You know, they can be ginormous and very, very complex. It's just that change of mindset to say, look, the way we're doing it wasn't might seem like it's working for you, but there's lots of down the process we need to change that and just getting everybody on board with it was a little bit of a slog yeah. uh, like myself once you're down the line and it's in and everybody then gets used to that new way of working it's better for everybody and they see the benefit of that but sometimes as we know people that have been doing jobs a certain way for a long time when you try and change or put something new yeah. in the process <laughs> the barriers come up and they're like oh no i liked it how it was before but um yeah so probably that management from a start because you've got a lot of people to deal with yeah. um, but once it was once it was done and they and 
now got used to a new way of working. It's just come second nature to everybody. I'm, I'm guessing the new way has made it easier for them as well, right? So as much as there was objection at the start, the fact that now they've taken it on board, it, it just kind of makes things work a lot more seamlessly for them as well, which means they can exactly. just get on with what they need to do. Seeing how they order their materials, you know, before they'd ring up Sharon and say, oh, Sharon, I need X, Y, Z. You know, we're all human. If something comes up and Sharon forgets and then yeah. they go, oh, well, you can't have instances like that. And we pride ourselves on proactive management. So from keen to bring me up and say, oh, I've run out of cleaning chemicals, that's just like a no-go. That's just non-negotiable. Process in place. They know that if they put an order form in, it's going to get processed without Sharon or anyone to have a look through it and approve it. It goes through, it gets ordered to site. So it just it makes everybody's easier. Of course, I say it comes with a little bit of change management, which yeah. is fine for older staff. But all your new staff, and you know, the method from from day one. So it just makes everybody's life a little bit easier. And you you have got to do that. It's something which I've done earlier from from the off. You know, you know there are free resources out there. At first, you know, diary management, CRMs, you know, they, they don't cost you any money, but they're good to get in your as you grow and you get more people, you can get more complex systems and paid versions and that do all sorts of Even as a startup, you know, I wish I'd got them in earlier. And that's because I had no one giving me any direction, to be honest. So it's just, you know, it was just a wing and a prayer, really. Um, we got there in the end, but I say, definitely systems in early on. Do you think you would have won your seven-figure contract had you not gone through the changes that you went through? I mean... No is the, probably the, the short answer, so especially big customers. They want to know that you've got systems in place to deal with X, Y, Z. You know, you could then get in the realms of 2001 quality management system. So you're going to to achieve something like that, you need to have systems in place. You know, this particular customer, they're spending a lot of money, so there was a lot of needing time to actually converting that to a, a, an actual customer. Yeah. And they wanted to come and see our office. They wanted to see what our operations, which we was able to demonstrate. And if you sort of, if, if you know, they're going in the cleaning cupboard, there's no chemicals there, called a bomb or whatever it may be, it, it just doesn't instill any confidence, does it? So now we're growing. And then when we tender for large, contracts or we're dealing with customers we can make reference to that to say look we've got a quality management system in place that we use and it's all there documented and you know it's like it's not you saying you're good you can then prove it and that's what a lot larger cleaning contracts are about proving that you can actually deliver on the ground so there's a couple of things that you mentioned there which i, I want to double click on one is you said the the process for getting this client on board as an actual client was was quite a long lead in time okay. how did the opportunity come about in the first instance I know you mentioned sales funnels uh, early on in the conversation. Like, what does your client outreach approach look like? And what, yep. what does that onboarding process look like for, like, the bigger client as well? So two different bits. So deal with the client outreach first, because uh, I think that's one thing that a lot of small business owners get get stuck on. And then yeah. just to give people an insight as to what it looks like to, to win a seven-figure contract, like what the steps that you had to go through to eventually win that, that client. Uh, early days... <laughs> And we still do a wide variety of outbound and inbound sales processing. So what do they look like? So we do a lot on social media. And the early days of my business, I remember I was working for a large FM company and start business on the side as that's the sensible thing to do, right? I know these gurus online tell you to go all in and just do your passion. Burn your boats, that's it. Yeah. You know, turn it I, back. <laughs> I understand the logic behind it. We wouldn't recommend it. 
quite common if you're on the street. Um, so I was working both, and I used to do an outbound via LinkedIn, which is how we were introduced to each yeah. other. So I would literally send office managers messages on LinkedIn, and it was a bit of a scattergun approach, don't get me wrong, but that gave you know leads, and we got some business out of it. So social media is a big one, and, a, and one I'm a big advocate for for a number of reasons. Outbound marketing, so simple email marketing campaigns quite often early days and still do now. Now it's a little bit more sporadic because our customer has changed. When yeah. we were first starting with no revenue, you would, you know, if Mary had an office down that needed two hours cleaning just on a Friday, we would take business like that. We yeah. never, um, but as we did. So email marketing is an, another big one. One that we actually spend quite a lot of money on is SEO, search engine optimization, um, making sure our website is the top of Google, which we've got. You know, we've got a lot of domain authority now, so we a lot of customers come to us, which is the ultimate goal, right? You know, yeah. because as we and the sales process, and this is something that I, I get the audience to just be conscious of, is when you're running a business, you wear many different hats, and the cleaner might call sick and got a contract for you know a week. And what that does, it brings peaks and troughs in the sales process. Um, so making sure, you know, you've got your email campaigns, you've got your inbound stuff coming in via um, SEO, give you constant stuff coming in, even if you're not doing anything outbound. Basically, if you stop, you don't want your leads to stop coming in, mm. because then you're going to be super and then it's quiet, and you're always going to have them up. Um, so making sure your website ranks well is, is is a big one. Get bigger contracts is probably a lot that people ask me when you know when I deal with business owners that are maybe slightly slow. And we're not big by any stretch of the imagination. You know there are tender portals out there which are generally larger cleaning contracts. Um, but our biggest via SEO, so they have effectively oh, wow. come to us um, yes. on on all occasions, which is unusual to be honest. Um, so definitely make sure your website is super up to date. We're actually next year recruiting for our first sales, you know, business development manager. Yeah. Um, so they will then have to grow up. It's a bit of a scattergun approach. Make sure your website's okay. Get some email campaigns going. Don't wait to use social media and reach out to people. Don't get me wrong. Out of 10, you know, you'll probably get one reply. But you've just <laughs> got to keep going with it. You know, don't be scared of anyone on LinkedIn saying, oh, man, in sales emails. It's a tool at the end of the day, and you've got to utilize it. Yeah. Um, the tender process, a large customer, takes a lot of time. So depending on the generally pre-qualification questionnaire so they want to make sure that the people that are quoting for this job are capable of their time with you know 15 different contractors so you've got to go through that process and then your process itself which we actively decide not to bid on more contracts than we actually bid for and the reason for that is the industry notorious price. Now, of course, we want to make sure everybody gets a fair price. But when I pick up a tender or I look at it, usually at the top of the document, it will tell you how it's weighted. So it will say, right, 60% of this out of 100 to whoever is the cheapest price. Mm. And just by pure percent is more than 40%. So if you've got the best quality of the all the cleaning companies in the UK, you are not winning that contract based on price. 
So I would never, no matter how much I like the of the contract or the client worth in terms of, you know, kudos for having that particular client, we don't contracts that are 60, 40 in terms of cost or above. Sometimes they are above yeah. um, because they take so much time, um, you know, end of a process from end to end can take, you know, two, three months um, mm. invested in terms of you know, getting the document, doing the walk rounds, et cetera. Um, so we're a little bit selective with that documentation that needs to be filled in. And it's good to start keeping case studies to build up. Mm. You've got some examples of projects you've carried out or contracts that are similar to one that you're tendering for and you can put them in tendering. But they take a lot of nursing. I mean, I've got one at the moment, which is another big one, a well-known company, you would recognize the brand. Yeah, I've been conversing with them for around 18 months now. And they, oh, wow. they're a <laughs> global company yeah. and management changes someone else picks it up you've got to build a pool and then they say oh uh, can you review the price and send it again because you know six months have gone by and obviously the cost of living up wages are going up so a, a real a public sector tender so a school they're yeah. relative sync with their deadlines um and they can take anything from two to three months some can take a year, 12 months plus to, to get over the line. So it really depends yeah. on the, but if you want the business, you just got to keep with it. Yeah, yeah. And is there like, is there an average number of tenders that you tend to apply for in a year? I, I know obviously you're getting more selective and, and I guess that harks back to your niche. Do you at the start of every year go, okay, you know, this year, 10 tenders or five, whatever it is, that's, that's what we're going to no, go I'm, for, provided they meet this criteria. Particularly, I would just look at, the opportunity and think right is this some is this a contract that we give up and deliver well you know is it a, a, an area of cleaning that we've got some experience in um and many different facts and just assess them on a case-by-case basis if someone put a tender on and it met our business criteria in terms of we could deliver this and deliver it well because obviously we're hungry for that growth and we're not where I want the business to get. Um, but it's not something we have a set amount. It's just on a case-by-case -case basis. And if we think we are excess money, then we're obviously going to go for it. Um, and obviously, public sector tenders, you mentioned uh, you can go on local government websites. Yes. With the bigger, like this um, global brand that you mentioned, how did you come across that opportunity? Or how do you yeah. find those opportunities? Did this one come to us, Matt? Um, yes. It was an inbound inquiry, and they had a one-off project, um, which we did. And it went well, and we built a bit of rapport with the procurement lead. And then he said, look, I've got this contract coming up. Would you be interested in it? And I said, yeah, of course. You know, we, we would love to. And it hasn't got across the line yet, unfortunately. But we're inching ever closer to it. So, again, inbound, making sure that when somebody was a warehouse clean, you know, warehouse cleaning southeast, we're number one. Um, and that pays dividends in the end because... You get customers coming to you. And I say, it's not reliable because they're coming to you and you going to them. So, Lucas, we've been going for nearly half an hour. I'm going to ask one more question before we go to the quick fire round. And that is, with all the experience that you've um, taken us through in terms of, you know, starting with a bit of organized chaos, taking a step back, getting a reflection, and then focusing on what, what you really want to niche down on in terms of the business to focus on for growth going forward like what's the one lesson that your business has taught you that you think you know other cleaning business owners should learn early on in their um business journey yeah i i, I know that answer instinctive and everyone's guilty of this early on ability is is a big thing because 
you know, in the, I'll give you a couple of examples. You know, you meet, you meet someone and you feel like you get on well. They're explaining a project or a one-off job and you think, oh, it just doesn't sound right. But your natural relation is to say, yeah, okay, we'll do this. And then they don't, pay, you know, they don't pay. Job goes and because everyone's perception of clean is very drastically different. Mm. You know, I've had tens of thousands of pounds at play when I knew this customer was a pain in the backside and I should have said no to the project. But sometimes when you see you know, this project's worth that or some want to be seen to clean, um, you know, it, it can be hard. And I think having the ability to be comfortable, just say, no, look, it's not for me at the moment. One that I wish I'd learned something I'm better at now. As I say, we know what we want to do and where we want to be. If someone comes in that doesn't meet that criteria, I say, look, I'm really sorry. It's not for us. I wish you all the best with it. Yeah. Um, and that goes with staff. As well. um, the early days, I some come to me and go, oh, Chris, I'm a bit short this month. Can you lend me, you know, X, Y, Z? And, you know, times are hard. But, you know, someone I've advanced on my wages this month, you know, in early days, I'd be like, oh, okay, because I don't want this guy to leave. Or yeah, yeah. You know, saying yes can get you in all sorts of bother, especially if in your gut, you know, really should be saying, so I've learned that and got more comfortable with that early on. Something that I'm better at now, but to say no when you know that you should be saying no. We'll, we'll hold you in good stead and, and save you a few sleepless nights. Nice. So, look, we're heading to our quick fire round. So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. Before I do that, like, I know there's there's a bunch that we haven't explored. Um, you know, I know as part of the onboarding process for the podcast, you mentioned about uh, youth employment in the industry and how yeah. you wanted to raise that profile as well. So I would, if you're open to it, like to have um, a second installment of this because there's there's definitely avenues that we haven't gone down um, which are, uh, you know, open for discussion. But to head into the quickfire round, so the one question that I was going to ask was what was going to be the one piece of advice you'd give to your younger self? But it sounds like that would be... Saying saying no. Yeah, <laughs> most definitely. You know, I said yes to... Doing because you know you didn't get the right vibe from site and you know I've got money um, doing it. You know you're looking at a project and it's pure chaos and they go, oh no, we're going to be ready for we're going to be ready for your cleaning team next week. Looking thinking <laughs> not. There's just no way in hell this is going to be ready. But you say yes anyway. You turn up on the day. It's like Piccadilly Circus. You're trying yeah. to clean. And the customer goes to you, well, you haven't completed the job. You've got to come back tomorrow. But, well, you gave me a fixed price. It's tough. It's not ready. You've got to come back. And before you know it, you've got to send the team back. You know, we've got there and say, no, this is not for us. Or you've got a customer that wants one hour in the arse end of nowhere. Yeah. Um, and they go, oh, well, I've only got this budget. And you go, oh, all right, I'll squeeze it in. And you know it's going to be a headache when if you just said you wouldn't have that headache and you don't damage your reputation, you don't annoy the client and you can sleep. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, so what are the three non-negotiable skills that you think are essential to growing your cleaning business? People management and speaking with people. I have to deal with cleaning staff, technicians on a daily basis. I also am comfortable with sitting in a meeting with the CEO of multi company. So having good people skills at all levels um, is 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 a must and the best people I've seen and learned from they've all had you know they're people um, you know they can speak with people all um, hard work is one obviously cleaning is done generally early morning or in the evening so having that work you know it's quite easy when especially when you get a little bigger and you after are out you know doing bits and pieces to you making sure they're supported so you've got to have that work ethic you know after a long day sometimes 
thing you want to do is, um, you know, see someone churn on the contract down the road, but you've got to be able to do that and stay consistent. The last one is just, just determination. You know, yeah. in such a saturated industry, you've got to have a lot of no's before you get your yes. Um, so just having, you know, that determination just to keep going and not tell is something that will hold most business owners in good stead. Perfect. And Chris, as we um, wrap this up, where can people find you online? We are on all social media platforms. So if you type in JCD Cleaning, pretty much all social media platforms, we will come up. Social media is something we try and do a lot of because, as, as you mentioned, Matt, we're trying to open the industry to younger eyes um, and they consume that their content generally on social. So we're quite big on that. If you just, um, JCD Cleaning on any social platform will come up. And if you obviously, my name is Chris Gilfoyle. So type that in if you want my personal accounts, uh, which are very much business related, to be honest. I don't put much personal life on there. Um, you'll find us on all of them. Perfect. Nice one, Chris. Look, really appreciate your time. I know it's early doors as we're recording this. So I hope you enjoyed the rest of your day. The rest of your day. And, uh, and yeah, I'll speak to you soon, mate.